Inside the crowded Dr. Eddie Warrior Correctional Center in Taft, Oklahoma, women practically sleep right next to each other. They use communal bathrooms and are in such crowded conditions that it makes social distancing extremely difficult. More than 700 women at this minimum security prison that holds 800 have tested positive for COVID-19, giving it the highest rate of any prison in the state. The testing that they are doing has so far really been um, geared toward protecting the public, not towards protecting inmates. You know, just based on what DOC's been reporting the last couple of days, it looks like we're going to see outbreaks at several more prisons in Oklahoma. The Frontier's Cassie McClung and Brianna Bailey recently reported on the outbreak, which finally forced the Department of Corrections to do widespread testing, something they weren't doing before. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. And on this week's episode of Listen Frontier, I speak with Cassie and Brianna about their reporting and how the coronavirus pandemic is impacting Oklahoma's prisons. Hi, it's Ben. And before we continue with this week's episode, I just want to say thanks for listening. If you appreciate the journalism of the frontier, whether it's through this podcast, Listen Frontier, or reading us at readfrontier.org, I'd like to invite you to consider making a donation. Even a few dollars each month goes a long way in supporting the work our reporters are able to do. We have staff in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Norman following a variety of issues. We've closely covered the COVID-19 pandemic, the reopening of schools across the state. We're also following some big races and election issues as we head towards the November general election. And of course, we're always on top of government corruption, wasteful spending, and giving a voice to the voiceless across our community and state. If that's the kind of journalism that you value, then donating to the frontier is one of the best ways to ensure that independent, fierce, local journalism is being done in our communities. Thanks for reading, and thanks for listening. So Cassie, I want to start with you. And first, tell us what are the conditions like inside Oklahoma prisons, particularly in Eddie Warrior, where we've seen this latest outbreak? So... Eddie Warrior, you know, it's a women's uh, minimum security facility. And there's hundreds of coronavirus cases across the Department of Correction system. But Eddie Warrior definitely has the vast majority of those cases. Um, I think at last update, there were over 700 women there who had tested positive for COVID-19. And there are a couple of other um, prisons that had, you know, a few dozen cases. But, you know, like I said, Eddie Warrior definitely 
um, has the bulk of those. And I think it's important to note that Eddie Warrior, part of the reason we might be seeing so many cases there is because the living situation, um, they live in an open dorm um, type living. So there's bunk beds, there's not a lot of room for social distancing. So I think that's definitely adding to it because we know that social distancing and slowing the spread of COVID-19 is so important. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we know about prisons in general, and especially prisons in Oklahoma, is that they're crowded places. And, you know, there's it's kind of a dormitory lifestyle, right? So, I mean, obviously, they're not built for social distancing. But but during a, a pandemic like this, um, you know, what are the options for these facilities to try to practice the kind of social distancing that the rest of the world is trying to follow? So I know at the beginning when at least the DOC wasn't heavily testing all the women yet, so I don't think they had quite a good um, pulse on how bad the outbreak was, but they were using the gym to quarantine women um, who had tested positive. But when most of the facility has it, um, there's more than 800 women um, incarcerated at Eddie Warrior, more than 700 are sick. There's at that point, you know, there's really no way to quarantine those women away from others. And it kind of sounds like it's just passing through the whole population at this point. options and what prisons can do to try to keep inmates separate from one another inside crowded prisons. One thing one thing we've seen in other states is the granting of medical releases, so allowing individuals to be released from prison early in order to cut down on the crowding. Brianna, have we seen those efforts here in Oklahoma? Well, in in Oklahoma, there's really no legal mechanism to for like a widespread early release of inmates. I mean, the Department of Corrections is mandated by state law to incarcerate people for the term of their sentence. There is uh, medical parole, but very few people get that. I think we've, we've let out uh, 12 people uh, because of the pandemic for medical parole. And, um, you know, everyone who was a sex offender or a violent offender is, was struck off that list. And they were le- left with like a, a list of, ha- of a handful of people who um, have extreme medical conditions that make them particularly vulnerable to the virus. And they've let all those people out. And there's, there's people who have been approved for commutations and parole who are waiting for those to be signed off by the governor, uh, that process could be sped up somewhat. But other than that, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot uh, the state can do or is doing. You know, one of the things that you guys said in your story was that a lot of these facilities have classes that can be very beneficial for inmates who are, you know, who are trying to put themselves on a better footing for when they're released. And there's also work opportunities. A lot of the, a lot of those those options aren't aren't taking place right now, right? I spoke with two women from Eddie Warrior last week, and they they both told me that um, since the virus hit 
the facility. I mean, they they spend most of their day just sitting on their bunks in their dorm, uh, and and that's all they do. They usually there's um, they have access to a prison yard where they can go out. It's a it's a minimum security prison, so it's kind of like a almost like an enclosed like a, like I would, I would like liken it to a, like a college campus. It's, it's an enclosed campus, but they have pretty free movement usually in there where they can go out on the yard. Um, there's opportunities to interact with volunteers and classes and things like this and work opportunities. But I mean, now they're just sitting there. I spoke with an advocate who is really involved in one of these programs, working with these women. And, um, you know, it's been really hard on them not being able to have that connection to the outside world. And, you know, like Brianna said, they're kind of just sitting out their days, you know, on their bunk beds waiting for this to pass whenever that might be. So, you know, a lot of them, that's, you know, that's kind of their link, I guess, to the outside world. It's enrichment. So um, it just sounds like, you know, talking to um, the advocate that, you know, these women are just feeling really bored and unfulfilled right now. You know, forgetting for a moment about what the options may be. I mean, obviously, you'd understand that there might be some limited op options for for a prison. But, uh, you know, Cassie, as someone who's covered the health aspect of this pandemic closely for the last several months, I mean, almost every institution has tried to minimize contact. I mean, I mean schools are not having in-person learning. Um, you know, colleges have had to go through this process. You know, in, you know, offices were shut down in the initial months. We closed restaurants and bars in many places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just still continues to strike me that we've we worked so hard to try to distance people, and yet that's just not happening in prison. It's got to be the worst environment to be in during a pandemic like this, based on based on what we know and based on what the rest of the world is trying to do, right? Right, but absolutely. So I reported on this way early on, I think in March, but you know, jails and prisons they're contained by nature, and infectious disease experts have been warning for a long time that they are very vulnerable to infectious disease spread. Um, you know, in some facilities, um, not all, you know, there can be overcrowding, access to soap is often limited. Um, again, not necessarily in all DOC facilities, but I'm counting jails in this too. And people, they reside, they eat, they sleep in close quarters. So it's very challenging to socially distance. And, you know, there's certain steps that jails and prisons can take. They can, you know, implement wide testing strategies, they can screen inmates as they come in, they can screen staff, but they really are limited to, um, you know, what they can do in those environments. You know, from your from your guys' reporting, um, you said that, uh, you know, some of the spread is coming from, you know, inmates coming from other facilities, and it, it didn't sound like there was any testing done before there was kind of, uh, you know, inmates were, were being brought into a new facility. What, what's, is anything being done differently now? Um, and then what were the shortcomings before that kind of helped lead to this, to this spread? In the midst of the pandemic, the Department of Corrections is, has closed or is in the process of closing two prisons. And those inmates have to go somewhere. Uh, one prison that was that's in the process of being closed and everyone one being transferred out is uh, a private prison uh, Cimarron in Cushing, and that's a uh, medium maximum security prison. And they've, they've had cases of COVID there and they have to uh, transfer those inmates. So you're, you're moving people around. 
and the population becomes, you know, not, they're not isolated anymore. You're moving those people somewhere and they've been exposed to, you know, guards and visitors that may have been exposed to the virus. Another women's prison, Kate Barnard in Oklahoma City, a minimum security prison that, that has closed. And uh, women from that facility were either went to um, like a, like a community correction situation where basically you can leave and you can interact with the public and maybe like find work opportunities and things like that. And the women that were sent there were tested before they were transferred out. But the other women from Kate Barnard were moved into uh, Eddie Warrior and those women were not tested for the virus before they uh, were transferred into there. And the, the women that I spoke to at A Warrior, they say, you know, that's when we got sick. That's when everyone started getting sick, when they brought in these women from the Oklahoma City prison and they, they put them in with us. We were exposed. It's hard to say if that's where it came from, but you could say it's, it's, it's definitely a possibility. They didn't, they didn't test. They didn't do widespread testing. They, they screened the women for symptoms, but, you know, as, as we know, you know, the virus can spread from asymptomatic people. You don't have to have symptoms. The testing that they are doing has so far really been um, geared toward protecting the public, not towards protecting inmates. So they test people when they might have to come in contact with the public. And so the women that transferred from that minimum security prison to a lower level to these community correction centers where they have more interaction with the public, those people were tested. But the minimum security prisoners who were transferred from Kate Barnard to Eddie Warrior were not tested because, and the reason I, that was given to me was because, you know, you're mixing people from two prisons that are supposedly two quarantine population, two, two different quarantine populations. But I mean, they have, you know, guards and, uh, you know, visit, visitors. I mean, that's not really accurate to say that they're quarantined. But even in that regard, if you're saying these women are coming from quarantine environments, you're still testing those some of those women if they are going to a facility in which they may interact with the public, right? Yeah, if they're if it, they go to a step down in security, where they might have interaction with the public, but it's geared towards protecting the public, not the prison inmates. I want to ask you both about um, at the end, end of your end of your article, you referenced uh, Governor Stitt kind of speaking to this issue very briefly. He was asked uh, about what he thought, and um, he in your reporting, you said he he praised the protocols that were in place and, and praised the agency's response, and and saying that this, the State Department of Corrections has has led the nation. What did he mean by that? The governor, for the most part, he, um, you know, he kind of 
on specifics about the outbreaks, he kind of wanted to um, pass it along to Scott Crow, who wasn't there at this news conference at the time. Um, Scott Crow's the head of DOC, but he praised, you know, the agency's response. And I think what, where he's mainly coming from is DOC really didn't see a lot of confirmed COVID-19 cases until maybe sometime last month. So I think he kind of saw that as a victory that DOC really hadn't seen a serious, serious outbreak until um, the past few weeks. We've seen that outbreak recently, um, and, and maybe we don't have new data to see where things stand today, but is that is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Uh, where do things stand right now, not just at, at Eddie Warrior, but across the, the prison system? So what I can tell you, and I'll try not to throw too many numbers at you, but um, Mabel Bassett, which is another... Um, women's facility in McLeod, it looks like they're starting to see a pretty big outbreak as well. Um, last updated, there was almost 700 inmates in quarantine. Um, 99 had tested positive. So it looks like there are going to be outbreaks in other prisons. Um, I'm looking at the data right now and I see two or three, four that have more than 200, 250 inmates in quarantine right now because of COVID-19 exposure. And I think one of the important things to keep in mind about these outbreaks is, um, you know, staff, DOC staff, they're offered tests, um, you know, especially in facilities that are seeing spread among inmates, but they're not required to test. They, they are screened before coming in each day, but, you know, as Brianna said earlier, a lot of people never have symptoms. So I think, you know, as staff are moving out and about in the community, it's very possible and probably even likely that they're bringing the virus into the facility. And we've we've seen a death recently as well, right? Yeah. Um, so DOC uh, yesterday evening announced um, what's been the first reported death um, related to COVID-19. We don't have an identity. We just know that the woman was at uh, Eddie Warrior and she was middle-aged and that she died after she became hospitalized with COVID-19 symptoms. And this is the first reported death in the, in the state prison system, but we've seen some deaths in, in county jails. And, and Brianna, maybe you would know a little bit about this because I know you've, you've covered here in Oklahoma County some of the mm -hmm. stuff going around with the jail. At, at one point, and tell me if this is still the case, um, those who would normally be transferred to prisons were, were, were remaining in county jails. Is that right? I mean, the, this pandemic has disrupted kind of the, the transfer of of individuals from county jails to, to prisons. Right, at one point, uh, the Department of Corrections basically put out a blanket statement that said, look, we're just not gonna uh, keep, accept people from county jail because we don't want COVID-19 to be entering the prison system. And that was their solution for doing that. But you can only do that for so long. Um, a place like the Oklahoma County Jail that has, you know, really bad problems with overcrowding already. At one point, they had uh, over 350 people in the Oklahoma County Jail that had already been sentenced. And they were just waiting for the Department of Corrections to pick them up. And it got to a few weeks ago, got to like just about a breaking point where the county jail was full and those people just had to be picked up because there's just nowhere left to put them. And what they have started doing now is testing people 
before DOC accepts them. So everyone who is in county jail has to be tested for COVID-19 before they're moved in the prison system. And the Centers for Disease Control does has recommended that um, uh, prison inmates during transferred or incarcerated people, um, they, they recommend that they be tested and um, at, the, at the very least screened for symptoms, which the Department of Corrections did do. They, they screen for symptoms when they're transferring, but not necessarily test. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this develop over the next few weeks because it looks like, you know, just based on what DOC's been reporting the last couple of days, it looks like we're going to see outbreaks at several more prisons in Oklahoma. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all other episodes by subscribing to the Listen Frontier podcast feed. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you next week.